Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Sasquatch. Just a few of the names given to the primate-like creature said to roam the woods and remote areas of North America. Tales of this elusive being go back for hundreds of years. Is it mere myth and legend? Or is there truly something more tangible to this phenomenon? Join us on this journey as we discuss the science behind the encounters, the research and the evidence, keeping you updated on the latest findings, ideas and hypothesis. Arrogance gets us nowhere and closing one's eyes doesn't make things disappear nor less real. Today's myth could be tomorrow's reality. It's time to make this subject matter less taboo. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Bigfoot without the BS. Hey everybody, welcome to Monster X Radio. Shane Corson here. Tonight I have again with me my good friend and fellow researcher, investigator, uh, Limit Project member Chris Spencer, who's been a past guest many times, but he's one of those guys that I love to talk with. We talk to each other daily when it comes to the Sasquatch phenomenon. We talk daily on, on our recent investigations, what we're up to. And Chris Spencer has been involved with a lot of my research, both with audio recordings and analysis in that realm, and also in field stuff. Chris Spencer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shane. Glad to have you back on the show, man. Down the road here, you're going to be a, a frequent guest, even more so than you have been in the past. We've been talking a lot lately. And when it comes to investigations, when it comes to the Sasquatch phenomena, you're one of my go-to guys. One of the guys that if we didn't live so far apart, we'd be in the field a whole lot more. But unfortunately, <laughs> you know, we live you know, two and a half, three hours away. But... Uh, we do collaborate a whole ton. You're always bringing something to the table. And recently, it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. And others have utilized this sort of material before. But let's uh, touch upon tonight, for those out there, the pheromone chip that you've been <laughs> utilizing. You know, we're talking about a pheromone chip, which is not really a pheromone chip, as we were just discussing before the show. Can you describe a little bit about this endeavor and some of your motives behind utilizing this chip. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been actually, I've been using it for about six months, but last, I want to say winter, just before spring or around March, I saw an advertisement for Sasquatch pheromone. I was like, what the heck? And I, you know, looked it up, went to the website and it all sounds really cool um it's only 39.99 and you get 12 chips and i was like what the heck i'm always looking for something different to try something to throw out there and maybe get a reaction from so for 40 bucks why not it's a little deceiving in the way they describe this they 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 talk about it as a pheromone chip and it's actually not a pheromone chip if you read the wording it says our pheromones are a combination of pituitive, human, and innate pheromones. Um, the key word in there is pituitive. 
that means right <laughs> alike or close to um they're not really pheromones because technically it would be illegal to do anything with pheromones from apes <laughs> it used to be there's i know some researchers have gone out there in the past with bedding from zoos from apes you know whether it's gorilla orangutan or chimpanzee you can't do that anymore because we spread diseases to each other we can catch what they catch and they can catch what we catch you can't just take an ape pheromone or an ape bet ape bedding and uh, go put it out there in the public anyways so it's it's deceiving the way they do this but what they're basically they're making something that smells what what would be in their opinion and there's doctors at the end of this that uh talk about oh this is the best thing in the world whatever it's not a real pheromone chip right but chris before you jump ahead here can you describe the presentation of this chip and what it, 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 it what it's made of i mean in the shape of it and the color and all that yeah it's okay the, you get a little you get a jar and you get 12 orange chips they got holes in them so you can tie them up on trees in that jar and when you get it you do not want to touch it because they do smell they smell terribly and anything they touch is going to smell for a while we could talk about uh occasion of that but <laughs> um they they're advertised basically as they'll last three weeks and i fully believe they'll last three weeks they smell terrible uh if you have worked in construction and you've worked a, a shutdown where you're working 12-hour days and one of your partners doesn't shower for a couple of days well that's what it smells like and doesn't change his underwear so hmm. it's it's very primate, bad, bad bo smelling. So I will say that. But needless to say, it is if you buy this, it is not a pheromone. There is there are no pheromones in this chip at all. They mislead you on that. But that being said, I tried it out, and. Had some interesting things happen. I first deployed it in X1, my main area recording where I've been recording since 2015. I deployed it at the end of May. Actually, it was June 3rd. And when we went up to pick up my audio recorder uh, the next weekend, my audio recorder had been pulled out of a stump and it was just laying on the ground, hadn't been chewed on. Um, the way I set up my audio recorders, they're hidden under a, a little lean-to of ferns and whatever. And I, I, I don't hide it for our target subjects. I hide it for human beings because I don't want my stuff stolen because I've had plenty of cameras stolen. But this audio recorder was pulled out. It wasn't chewed on. It was perfectly intact. And the way I do it, it's, it was a Tascam DR05. It was in a Ziploc bag. Ziploc bag was still ziplocked. Everything was intact, perfect. And it was just laying next to the stump. The little lean tube was in perfect condition. So whatever did it reached into the one little hole to get to it and pulled it out of the stump because it was half buried in the stump. 
and then just drop it. What does that tell me? Well, I know a bear didn't do it because a bear would have eaten it. Uh, an animal would have destroyed the lean tube. Anything else would have chewed on it. So obviously it had to have been a human, but my experience is that humans steal stuff. So I don't know. Something yeah. happened. That was right after I put that chip out there. So, Chris, where you place this uh, pheromone chip, this chip, and your audio, is it off a trail or is it like off the beaten path? You know, when we think about people stealing stuff, you know, especially when it comes to trail cameras, it's always very bad to place them on trails or even sometimes game trails. Was your audio and this chip placed in an area where, I mean, obviously, I assume you place this. I know this answer, but for the viewing audience, you place this in an area where you would not assume any person would go to. Yeah. And, and we're, I'm actually where I record, I've been recording there since 2015. It's actually a game trail. And I've, I've when I've had game cameras up there, I've, I've gotten the occasional um, mushroom picker shed hunter in the spring, but generally I don't get pictures of people in there. There's no cameras up there now, but what I did with the, uh, I've never had a problem with my recorders, by the way. I've The only things that I've lost are game cameras, but they were placed in other areas that were more um, accessible by humans. But uh, with the chip, it was about 30 yards away from the actual recording stump, and then I, I took a deadfall um, tree, I tied it to the top of that tree, and then I leaned it up against another tree. So it was, it was like 25, 30 feet up in the air you're not going to see it and it was just blowing around in the wind right right now real quick let's backtrack a little bit because monster x is always getting new listeners you're a constant contributor to monster x radio but when you say x1 for a lot of people are like what the heck's x1 where is this at can you speak a little yeah. bit to that yeah so we've talked about this before a long time ago uh I had an experience in 2013, got into the subject, and I started looking for an area to recording because I had listened to a podcast with David Ellis on it, and I really was attracted to the idea of putting audio out, and that's my obsession is recording audio. So in 2015, I found this area, and it's it's up by Mount St. Helens, and um, I've been recording there since 2015, and I've been fortunate enough to capture some suspect sounds. And I vet those sounds consistently. I talked to David, and I talked to Managahela, um, and I talked to Chuck Madsen. I talked to everybody that I know that's kind of doing the same thing I am to um, vet stuff. I mean, a lot of times these guys have the same recordings I do, and they're recording in different areas. The big thing is before you do anything you have to go through all the known animals and i do that and when i get something that i can't find a known animal for then i send it to david i send it to managa i send it to chuck i send it to you i send it to my friends that are doing the same thing as me and then we compare notes yeah it's it's up mount st helens area it's an area that's had a lot of activity in the past and some sightings you know it's a known active area it's the Tootle river valley so what led you to start utilizing these chips? Obviously, you found it online, but what propelled you to actually, I guess, uh, spend the money to purchase these and utilize them? To just try something new. 
I literally maybe get a couple suspect things once or twice a year. And I'm always looking for ways to maybe inspire something new to happen. And I, I literally just, it popped up, honestly, because Google and Facebook watches, it popped up in my Facebook feed, an advertisement for these. And I looked it up and I'm like, well, for 40 bucks, is, who cares? It, whether it works or not, let's see what happens. I, I literally wasn't expecting anything at all. Well, you say you weren't expecting anything. So now you're kind of leading up to you may obtain something, if I'm not mistaken. Now, I know you've utilized these in the Toodle area. We went out on a trip uh, this year out to an area near Mount Hood that I had my encounter, and you placed a chip out there along with long-term, or, well, long-term but short-term audio. I'll put it that yep. way. And it was rather interesting. There is something to utilizing these chips, at least as I'm seeing it. Maybe, maybe not, but uh, what are you finding? I'm, like, on the fence, but... So I've just now started reviewing my long-term audio since I put the chips out in X1. So I'm reviewing back to June right now in my main area. I reviewed the one night where the recorder got moved. And of course, the obviously the batteries were dead when it got moved. And so I didn't record anything, but I haven't reviewed any of the audio since. And I have all of June, I have all of July, I have all of August I need to go through, but there's been a, a chip up there. Uh, every three weeks I've put a chip up there. So we'll see what happens there. But in the meantime, when I've gone out, like when I went out with you, I brought a pheromone chip and I put that out and I had four recorders going 24 seven at different positions around where we were camped. And one of the recorders was further from our camp and I put a chip out there and sure enough, we got a pretty good power knock close to it. We did get some interesting whistles that weren't us. And I'm still reviewing that audio, but something happened. But I I can't say for sure the chip had anything to do with it, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, so utilizing this, this particular chip, you know, uh, obviously is not true pheromone-based. You've utilized it in your X1 area, and now you utilized it in the Mount Hood area, and you utilized it up in the Olympics. And yep. let me tell you this. Well, I need to tell you this. Let me tell the audience this, that you've gotten each time some interesting audio recordings. Interesting things happen when you utilize this particular chip. And I don't think that's going to happen every time. I think it's just placing yourself in the right place at the right time uh, if, if our target species is in the area. But it is interesting that this chip seems to play a possible part in some of these audio recordings and also what's heard in person. Now, when you're talking about long-term audio, once again, Chris, I have to backtrack a little bit for the, the listening audience. When you're talking about long-term audio, I mean, there's different variations of that. And yeah. you particularly, and this is why I love you to death, because you've hooked me up with a whole setup and yeah, I spent the money, but you're giving me the know-how to put this together. But when it comes to long-term audio, you've uh, really capitalized on long-term audio. Can you explain a little bit before we get back to the chip and its relevance and possibly into this research? 
a little bit about the long-term audio and what you've done there. Yeah, what what I've tried to do is get uh, what I want as a guy that's into audio. I want to get as much recorded for every night as possible. Um, I I utilize a Tascam DRO5 all the time. I love those, and I will. I'll tell you right now, ninety percent of my best suspect recordings have come from those recorders. The problem with those, though, are they record tw- they record twenty four seven. And the best I've ever been able to get out of one is two and a half nights and three days. So um, working with Nathaniel Bronis came up with this idea that using another kind of recorder, which I'm using, there's a bunch of different recorders out there, but it has a time record function, which means you can set it to start recording at a specific time and stop recording at a specific time. And so I'm using... Olympus LS7s, and I also have an Olympus uh, DM620, and they all have a time record function. What we've done with the help of Nathaniel, I'm using an ATV AGM battery right now. It's a 12 volt battery, 12 amp hour, with just little gator clips with a an adaption for like a cigarette lighter, and then you just you plug in a one amp USB. Right adapter into that, and then you plug your recorder into it and put your mics outside of it, and it will record the hours you set it at. I usually go in the summertime. I usually go eight to about five because it's it's in the summertime it's light at four thirty. In the winter time, it's usually seven to seven. I go twelve hours in the winter. You never know. And thus far, like this year. I had my long term out in X1 two different times. I got all of, I got 26 nights in June, 26 nights in uh, July, 27 nights in August. And I haven't reviewed any of those yet. That's where it's fun. You collect all that data, but then you got to review it. Right. But that's incredible because when you look at your average investigator, uh, I guarantee this 99% of them aren't recording for that length of time. We can't be in the field, obviously, for that length of time. So recording for that length of time, you never know what you're going to get. It's kind of like placing a trail camera in the field. You know, we're not always there, but the trail camera will pick up all sorts of animals. And let me ask you this, Chris. Why do you choose the hours that you recorded? What's the reason? I, generally, I set my record. I want to get about an hour before dark and an hour after light. Generally, that's how I do it. Um, I'll be honest, uh, I would say 50% of my suspect stuff occurs at dusk and occurs at dawn. And then the rest of it occurs between two and four. But that period of time when it's not light, it's not quite dark and it's not quite light, that's when all animals are moving. And that's when I think our target subjects are moving. Based on my investigations and research, I totally agree with you. I think that's the time they're moving. I think it's the time they're more comfortable moving. Now, we have this long-term audio stuff that you've been placing out there. I don't know of anybody else out there that's actually doing long-term audio. By long-term audio, I mean more than, you know, we can go place a record out there for a day, uh, maybe two or three nights. So now you're bringing this chip into, into the mix. And... Yes, this chip will, we've talked about this, this chip will, will attract known animals <laughs> like bear, 
and whatnot. Because it's stinky. It, the pungent smell coming from this thing, I can't even explain. You don't want it to touch, like Chris mentioned earlier, you don't want to touch it. You don't want it to touch your backpack. You don't want it to touch anything because it will leave an odor. And you brought this chip up to the Mount Hood area where I had my experience. And I remember you were a little bit freaked out because you thought maybe you left some scent on something, the tent or the backpack that you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you were worried about attracting something other than a Sasquatch. I mean, just known animals, right? Like a bear. I guess when you, you do this stuff, you got to be prepared for what you may encounter. The fortunate and really interesting thing was that when you had placed this particular chip on there where I had my encounter in 2011, we had picked a spot that was uh, worthy of a chip because you had a lot of wind direction. You had this rocks, uh, rock area, rock slide, snag area, and this scent was, would, would go everywhere. And we actually, honestly, had some interesting things occur, and we found some interesting tracks and impressions, uh, skid marks. And so I wasn't sold on the chip. Now, before I let you chime in here, Chris, this is the same sort of chip that Derek Randall's and uh, if you're familiar with the Skookum cast, and if you're not, look it up. The Skookum cast from many years ago, the BFR was involved. Uh, Matt Moneymaker and a bunch of individuals were involved with this Skookum cast. And it's highly debatable as to what they casted. They were utilizing something very similar to this chip. Now, you know, I wasn't sold on it, and I'm still not sold on it, but there is something to, to this pungent smell. I think it's all about placement at the right time, the right time of year. If you're in the right area, it may uh, be significant. Yeah, well, that was, that's one of the selling points for this chip. When you go to the website, just Google Sasquatch pheromone chip, and it'll bring you right to the website. They advertised that it was used at the Skookum cast. I'm assuming that the people that create this chip are part of the BFRO anyways. Yeah, that was one of their selling points in that. As far as what you were just talking about, we, we found a lot of a lot of weird stuff happened around where that recorder was and where that chip was. And it just I just have to scratch my head. I'm not gonna say it was the chip. It's it is what it is, but it obviously creates something that's different from the environment that possibly if our target subjects are in the area and they smell it and might create some curiosity, might create some like, what the hell is this? Cause it smells terrible type thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm still on the fence. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know later after I review uh, all that audio I got from X1 and I've had a pheromone chip up there every every month i put a new one out it's supposed to last three weeks and i literally have not reviewed any of that audio yet if something starts happening then maybe i'll be a little more sold on it yeah well, here's the thing i brought you up to this area for a reason because i had an encounter in 2011 and solidified the existence of sasquatch for me there's no like gray liner i know that sasquatch is out there i know that it exists now what I don't know, there's many things I don't know. I, in fact, I know nothing. What I don't know is, are they habitually staying in this area? Are they coming and going? Um, I've had other experiences up in this area. I've never had another sighting since 2011. But 
that Chip seemed to play a role in some really ambiguous, yes, but interesting things. And you're not <laughs> saying anything Sasquatch related. You're not saying there's no definites on this. We're not no. saying Sasquatch came up and did this. Uh, oh, the Chip was that, you know, no, no, no. But they have brought about some interesting things, uh, both uh, uh, within sound recordings and also in some of the impressions and tracks we found in these areas uh, near. Very near. Very. Well, well, when we're talking about the, the Mount Hood area, very near. Crazy. That was, that, and that was, that was a crazy thing because me and you, we were up there for four days and three nights. And uh, it was literally the day after we just went over there and we just found these interesting impressions. Um, and then when I got home and reviewed the audio, oh my gosh, there's literally a huge freaking power knock right next to that freaking recorder. Did Sasquatch do it? I don't know. Right. I don't know what did it. Yeah. I mean, we went through the usual, went through the usual, could it be a bear? Could it be an elk? Could it be this and that? The, uh, could it be human? I don't know. I don't think it was, uh, definitely don't think it was bear. I definitely don't think it was elk. I definitely don't think it was human, but could I be wrong? Sure. Sure, I could be wrong. Of course, I didn't see what made those impressions or those scuff marks. But when you compile, and we need to add this to a future show, Chris, is the audio. We'll add yeah. the audio, and maybe yeah, I'll share a few pictures of some of the scuff marks and the uh, impressions and whatnot found because that that's important. You know, people want context; they don't just want to hear us blabber away. <laughs> Having said that, the one key feature in this area as to why I believe we had, I had an encounter in 2011 is the ridge, the ridge line. And publicly speaking now about this, I, uh, I'm not trying to start a trend or anything, but I call Sasquatch ridge apes. It's just my, my own personal term for them, ridge apes. I think they utilize the ridges and this particular area has lots of ridges. I think my encounter in 2011 was all about that. My buddies and I were up on, this ridge and we went off trail and we stirred something up. And I think because we stirred something up along this ridge where people normally and probably never tra- traverse around, we stirred something up. And so these, this ridge line, this bowl that we were camping in and Chris was there is you know, an area that they traverse through. I don't think they live in this area. I think they just pass through it. And I think uh, personally, I think this time around we were back in the right time of year uh, that we may have uh, got the attention of something like a Sasquatch, possibly. But, you know, I'm not going to say that uh, was a fact. I don't know. But something did pay attention, I think, Chris, to that ship, uh, whether it's a bear or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, I, I keep – I don't want to believe it. You know, had my own little thing happen in Tootle, then our little camp out happened, and then – go up to the OP in late August and I put one of those things out there and I recorded a vocalization that has been recorded by David Ellis and Managahela and I've never recorded it and it's just interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, real quick, it's labeled the horn vocal, which is truly interesting vocal that's been recorded up in the OP, the Olympics, at uh, actually not far away from our base camp. Uh, not once, not twice, multiple times. And others have recorded this throughout the United States. It's an interesting vocal. That particular trip where you were 
therefore, Chris, you happen to have what, what, how many chips did you place out there? Those pheromone chips. I ended up putting two out there, right? But the, the recorder that caught this vocal, I at the, the chip was close to it. And I, I would say from what I see on Sonic visualizer with the vocal, that vocalization was made within 150 yards of the actual recorder. So it was in the timber and it's probably the oddest thing that I've ever seen. It's biological for sure. And I was just like blown away. I've, I've been aware of that particular vocal for a while because of talking with David and I know he and uh, Monogahela, they're kind of compiling a general file of different vocalizations that are recorded all over the United States that are related to possible Sasquatch. And this is one of those vocals. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, I think, and I didn't know. And uh, I heard it and I'm like, that's really weird. <laughs> right, right. I would say that I don't know if they're tying it to Sasquatch. I will say that they, they're unknown vocals yeah they're well no i'm not saying i'm not i'm just saying they're they're vocalizations that are recorded in known or in areas of sasquatch activity where there's been sightings and more than just the freaking audio right Um, we're not just walking into the woods going oh i recorded this that's a sasquatch Um, yeah it's just weird dude it's just weird (laughs) it, it is weird it is weird and not recognizable i mean that's that's simple to say and nobody's claiming it is a Sasquatch, but it's being recorded from different parts of the country. And that horn vocal to me is, it's very interesting. Yeah. And the thing, all I'm going to say about it is when you look at it on Sonic Visualizer, it's biological. Absolutely. It is biological. The problem is it doesn't look like anything you've ever seen. And my first instinct, I go to birds. I usually go to birds and it's at night. This was recorded in, at around 2 a.m. I go to owls first, of course, and I have yet to find an owl vocal. I go to Macaulay Library Sound by the Cornell Institute. Um, my fiance Rebecca, she has gone through owls, and we haven't found a call that matches it. The other thing is there's nothing before it and there's nothing after it, and that's always like a – red flag for me these sounds are interesting and unrecognizable at least when you come to the visual if you're going to you know look at them visually on sonic visualizer they're they don't match anything known per se uh, or anything recognizable within the macaulay library of sounds or anything we've recorded so they're they're interesting they're not necessarily sasquatch no one's screaming that but they're definitely interesting and these sounds are being recorded in areas where there's been a lot of sightings, a lot of experiences, a lot of encounters. And so what are we doing here, Chris? What are we doing? What we're doing is accumulating a lot of data there. Uh, whether it's Sasquatch or not, we're accumulating a lot of unknown sounds that even the Macaulay Library would be interested in, no doubt about it. I mean, we're talking about all sorts of sounds, but that horn vocal really speaks out to me because it's something being recorded around the country and also it's unmistakable when you hear it and it matches another horn vocal recorded in another state or another part of the country no it's it's one of those things when i first got into this i i talked to david quite a bit and he'd asked he had mentioned to me he's like have you picked up a any kind of a horn vocalization i've never i'm like no so i've I've been aware of that vocalization and 
it just happened I picked it up in David's area. <laughs> and so, right. you know. I know. In, in conjunction with uh, the chip. Yeah. And, and, you know, by the way, like uh, Chuck Madsen, he was up there th- two and a half, three years ago, and he actually recorded it too. So, and it, it whatever, it's a, it's a vocalization that happens in that area. And he, what's funny is I'm up there when I record it, it was August. When Chuck recorded it, it was like April. So that kind of helps you rule out some migratory birds. Cause that would be my first thing is to, a bird, maybe a migratory bird or something. But if, if Chuck Madsen's recording it in April, I don't know when David's recorded, but I know he's recorded up there. And then I'm recording in August. That kind of rules out some of the known animals. Not saying that it's not a known animal. I'm just saying it's just, it's really weird. Yeah, it's truly weird. It actually brings a lot of uh, ideas to the table. And also, you know, when you get into this sort of research investigation, you're always ending up with more questions than answers. You're like, okay, this is recorded in April. It's recorded in August. It's recorded in, you know, September, whatever. What's making the sound? And, yeah. uh, yeah, what is it? Now, we do know that there have been, obviously, Sasquatch sightings in this area, in these areas, in uh, different times of year. No one's screaming Sasquatch, but what's making these sounds? And, you know, they kind of fit within the parameter of some of these unknown, and sometimes, even, some yeah. of these recorded suspect vocals that uh, we attribute to something like maybe like a Sasquatch. So that's that's interesting. but. Here we go again, talking about the pheromone chips or the, so, you know, not pheromone chips. I, what yeah, are we going to label these, Chris? What, what do we, what do we know, call these? Uh, uh, stinky, smelly, 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 pungent chips? Smelly primate chips. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I think that's perfect, you know. I, I could say something, but it wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what you call them. And we're not, nobody's paying us to talk about these dang chips. They're, we literally pay money for them. Chris has spent money on them and utilizing them. And they seem to periodically get some sort of uh, result, whether it's ambiguous or not. It's still interesting results. You may get a bear with it too, because it smells so bad. Oh <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah pl- trust me, we're not advertising this for everybody because uh, be prepared. I, I no doubt about it. If you're in the right area at the right time, at the right time of year, who knows? All bets are off. That's as far as I'm concerned. Here's the thing. Here's the key, Chris. For me, this isn't like when you're going to utilize a chip such as this, of uh, this pungent smell, your long-term audio is really the key factor. The chip, yeah, you got the smell, you got all this. It's all about the long-term audio, not a one or two night sort of thing setup. It's all about the long-term audio that can record for upwards of 12 nights, 12 days, whatever, and, and longer and be around close and close proximity to that chip. That to me is the key. For the audience, this is not like baiting. It's just trying something, <laughs> and it smells. Oh, good point. So bad. Good point. It, yeah, you're, you're you're not baiting. It, it's you're it's, not hunting something. Uh, it smells so bad, and if if you're one of our target subjects walking through the woods and you smell this, you're gonna be like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> I'm gonna go check it out. Well, so, I mean, like like we I talked about before though. When we place that particular chip in the Mount Hood area, the Mount Hood wilderness, we placed it in an area where we knew there's going to be a lot of wind 
Um, it's yep. going to travel up the ridge exactly. and down the ridge. And so that to me is key. It's not just no, like, oh, placing in the middle of nowhere. It, no, it's about uh, wind direction. It's like if you're a hunter, right? You want to, you don't want the prey to know that you're around. Well, exactly. yeah. So when it comes to putting this chip out, it that scent will travel for a long miles even. It's so yeah. pungent, it stinks. And I oh, thank yeah. you, I thank you, Chris, for um, transporting it because I didn't want to touch that dang thing. Yeah. And then my pack smelled like, and I had my pack in my tent, and I was worried all night I was going to have a bear go through me. But, anyways, <laughs> no, 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 when we place it, you hit a good point. It's the wind direction where we placed that audio and where we placed that chip up by Mount Hood. Um, that wind was blowing up onto the ridge line and that's what we wanted and because like you touched on before they follow ridges i'm 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 on the ridge ape page too everywhere i record there's a ridge and it just worked out that we got some suspect stuff i'm not going to say it's bigfoot but we've got some really interesting things happen in, in areas of interest in areas that there's been reported sightings been reported encounters where there's tracks found impressions found you name it that's where uh, we're placing the stuff and specifically you chris because I, I don't want to own this because this is your idea obviously <laughs> people have utilized the chips before but it's like died away now you're bringing it back and also the one thing i'll tell you that you do own chris is the long-term audio that is a chris spencer special and something that is Man, you're turning the tide here, brother. Okay. Well, first off, I got to say something. So there are guys on the East Coast that are doing what I'm doing, and they have different setups. But we're all looking to do the same thing. You can go online to Wildlife Acoustics, and you can buy a song meter, SM4, and it will do everything that mine does and more for eight hundred and forty nine dollars <laughs> yeah. and then you, gotta right? buy, then you gotta buy the software to go with it to use it and so you're looking at about 1200 bucks i've got between two and 300 bucks into my units it's not that I, I i would love an sm4 honestly it will do everything and more than what these do but it's where your budget is and hey I, I'm just a working guy. I can I'm not I don't have an endless budget to buy this stuff. So there I don't want the audience to think that there's not an option out there. If you've got all the money in the world, yeah, there's plenty of stuff, plenty of tech out there to do this. But if you're like me, you can do it on your own. You don't have to spend nine hundred freaking dollars on a freaking audio unit. You don't have right. to spend nine hundred dollars on a freaking game camera. Yeah, shoot. If we were uh made out of money the sky's the limit, but well, we're not. And Chris, but what I really appreciate about you is that you've meandered your way around spending in the thousands. You've managed to put together something within the hundreds. And when you say, oh, long-term units, you put the, together a couple of units. So that's more than just a couple hundred dollars. That's, you know, we're getting up there now. And you're utilizing, and you are, in my opinion, getting results from this. I played some stuff on the show in the past. I want to have you back on the show to talk about some of the stuff you've recorded, not just with your long-term stuff, but with your short-term stuff, because I think you really have winner, winner, chicken dinner. You've got results from your work. 
that's interesting to me because you don't have to be a millionaire to get anywhere in the subject matter. You just have to utilize the money, the know-how, and you have to have the willpower to want to do something with the subject matter uh, as a citizen scientist, which that word is tossed around nowadays. But truly, if you put in the time, you may get something, you may capture something, you may go somewhere with the subject matter as my friend Chris Spencer, I believe, has. Well, I, I just want to say what I've accomplished is because of people that have helped me, and I'm not the only one doing this. Like I said, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of guys out on the East Coast that are doing it too. And everything that I've learned, I've learned from other people. And that's why you need to share. But you got to be realistic. you got to share with the right people. And that sounds mean and all that, but you got to keep your head on your shoulders and listen to others because Chris Spencer is, I'm not a genius. I'm not the end of all of anything. I've learned virtually everything about sound and using Audacity and Sonic Visualizer from David Ellis and Managahela and Chuck Madsen. I am just doing what I've learned from others. So, man, I appreciate it. Chris, um, I'm going to give you the, the final word in the four here. We're going to end the show here. But, man, thank you so much for joining me. We're going to elaborate upon this. I'm super stoked about the subject matter and where it's going. Yeah. No, we, we could talk all night. but uh, All night. You know what? If you're, if you're just getting into this, just get yourself a recorder and go out and start learning about wildlife by yourself and get to know it. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to contact me. Don't be afraid to contact David Ellis. Don't be afraid to ask questions and you'll figure out really quick who's going to help you and who's not. The only way this subject is going to move forward is if we move it forward together. Well said, Chris. Well said. And Chris, I'm looking forward to talking with you on future shows. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Thanks all for joining Montrex Radio. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you.